0: Hi there, this is Stuart McKee, host of Musicians FAQ Podcast. Please join me weekly where we have music and chat with some of Canada's hottest artists. <laughs> Infectious new single by Susie Corey, who just happens to be my very special guest this week. My name is Stuart McKee, and this is Musicians FAQ. You've
1: got to love you love
0: my guest this week is a singer-songwriter from Etobicoke via Beirut whose music has gone international with a steady stream of incredible singles and videos. She has over 200,000 streams on Spotify and over 65,000 views on YouTube. She started out singing rock after being inspired by and meeting Axl Rose. She then quite naturally made the transition into country music while trying to define her sound and style and also at the urging of her producer and also after a chance meeting with Billy Ray Cyrus on a plane. Her songs infuse blues, rock, country, gospel and pop while her vocal style recalls Linda Ronstadt, Lou Harris and Dolly Parton, one of her idols. Canadian songwriters Hall of Fame inductee Eddie Schwartz had this to say about Susie Corey. Susie is a determined musical creator whose ambition, curiosity, and constant striving to better herself and improve her craft are impressive. Joining me this week on Musicians FAQ, my guest is Susie Corey. Susie, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, good morning. How are you, Stuart?
0: I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Awesome. I've really been looking forward to chatting with you. I've been uh, following you for a little bit now on Instagram and listening to your music on Spotify, and I'm, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan by the moment. So I thought it'd be great to get a chance to sit down and chat with you. In fact, I'm going to be coming out to see a show you guys are playing up in Barry with David Boyd, James, and and Aaron Allen. I've interviewed Aaron and I've got a tentative interview scheduled with David uh, sometime in November when the new album came out. So I thought, perfect, let's, you know, complete that sort of circle and and get you on the show as well.
2: Well, that's fantastic. And, you know, I have to say as artists, we really appreciate it when someone reaches out to us because, you know, at this, point in my career usually we're the ones doing the reaching out to people so it was a pleasant surprise to get a message saying that someone wants to do an interview so I really
0: appreciate that oh that's great well I'm glad to hear that all right so what I always do with this show just kind of go back to the beginning and see the origins of the person and the musician um start with sort of that where were you born what was your childhood like
2: um it's an interesting story because I was born in Beirut (laughs) And, you know, it was a very volatile area, Um, but when I was eight months old, my parents decided to move to North America and moved here to Toronto, and so I grew up here, and it would be several years later that I would end up getting married and actually moving back to the Middle East, because my husband was from there, and I would spend 13 years there and just got back here six and a half years ago. Um, Yeah, because I have two children of my own, and, you know, they'd lived most of their lives been, you know, in the Middle East. And I love that they have the whole background and everything else, but I felt like it's time that they also get a taste of mom's background here in sure. North America.
0: Yeah. Best of both worlds. That's great. Yeah. And and when was, when was the last time you were back over there?
2: I would say at least three or four years ago. So it's been a while. Right. Um, I moved back here in 2014 and went a couple of times, but, you know, it was great because while I was living there, I got to go all over the Middle East and having been a baby when I moved to Canada... I really didn't have a chance to see my own country where I was born, you know, in Lebanon. And it's so funny to see that there's still remnants, many, of war that you can see so visibly there. And there's still a lot of turmoil. It's unfortunate, but, you know, there's other parts of Beirut that's been, um, you know, rebuilt and looks absolutely stunning. And it was just great to see that part of my history and my culture.
0: Right, right. And then uh, once you moved to Canada, then you were... You uh, grew up in in where? Toronto area?
2: Yeah I've always been in Toronto my whole life and so it's kind of funny now when you know (laughs) I'm doing country music and people go this makes no sense. You were raised in Toronto you know you're born in Beirut, Lebanon. My parents are both Middle Eastern so where does this come from?
0: (laughs) Yeah now do you have um, so what I mean what was it like growing up? Was there music around the house and
2: Yeah. And, you know, that's where I was confused when I started doing music that I I was writing country because I really didn't listen to country. I was a big rock fan. And anybody who knows me and, you know, has heard any other interviews, that's really what I talk about. I mean, my biggest influence, without a doubt, is Guns N' Roses and Axl Rose. And it was my first concert when I was 13. I uh, don't know how my parents let me go, but they did. <laughs> and, you know, it changed everything for me. And so for me, the big thing was rock music. But I realize now that really around the house, my mom was a big country fan. And so it was always playing in the background. And I think whether you realize it or not, parts of your childhood that are just there in the background could affect you heavily later yeah. on in your life without you even realizing it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and that's kind of why I like to go back to the beginning, because I find those those early years, and certainly I'm no child psychologist, but, you know, I, I've read and heard that within those first few years, I mean, so much of us has already formed. Um, and then as we continue to grow and, and develop and become our own person, a lot of that is rooted in what happened in those first few years. So certainly having the music around it, I would think would make that impact. Now, were there musicians or singers in the family or just a lot of music fans playing music?
2: Well, another odd thing is that I have nobody in my family, like not even distant relatives, no close relatives, nobody is in the arts. And that's why I find it so interesting and intriguing that why I'm so passionate about it, not having had anyone around that would have inspired that. Right. But, you know, having said that, I always talk about growing up in the 80s, um, other than hard rock, we had the big superstars, you know, the legends like Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince, um, they were larger than life. And so as a child, that's like, wow, you know, I want to be that, I want to be Cindy Lauper, I want to be Madonna. And uh, thank goodness I didn't turn into Madonna, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you couldn't help but be inspired by those, that kind of music. It was just those characters and those, you know, um, artists were truly larger than life. And as a kid, you're just in awe of that. Yeah. And so that also drew me into wanting to be a performer.
0: Well, yeah and especially I mean coming up in the 80s where I mean MTV and all these I mean it was kind of the precursor to the social media and, and the things that we see now um, where the distribution was so widespread and you would see people in your living room every day and at night at the bars I mean I remember the Michael Jackson video debuting thriller and I mean it was a big event and they had it on a huge big screen at the bar that I was hanging out at and so yeah I mean it, it's it's literally they are larger than life <laughs>
2: well i have an interesting tidbit for you um if i didn't become a singer i also wanted to be a much music bj <laughs> oh, <no kidding. laughs> i don't know if you remember erica m
0: i do i remember erica m yeah, yeah.
2: i want uh, to be erica m
0: <laughs> <laughs> i could see it i could see it you would have been great on that show yeah i mean i i was hooked on those shows um you know, the American uh, start with MTV and then uh, much music here in Canada. And yeah, there was, and a lot of those guys, I mean, well, Christopher Ward, I mean, started on that show and then, yeah. you know, became a huge songwriter. So um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's, it's always surprising. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of do these, the VJ shows and the interview shows and the, and the things that I'm doing, Um, Because they're simply music fans, and they want to be around musicians. But I think there's a lot of, you know, sort of frustrated musicians, songwriters, singers who were kind of getting into this thing, or just, it's just one more avenue um, to sort of participate, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think also, if I'm not wrong, Erica M was also involved in songwriting, but I could be wrong about that. But yeah, Christopher Ward, he was part of writing Atlanta Miles, right? That huge set, Black Velvet. So that's pretty incredible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the biggest songs. Yeah, I think a lot of those people were. I mean, I I can't remember some of the other names. I want to say David Anthony. I think it was something. Michael Anthony, maybe it was. Yeah.
2: Steve Anthony?
0: Yeah, Steve Anthony. Steve Anthony. Steve Anthony. There you go. Nice nice memory. Nice recovery. About a
2: year and a half ago, I was at a dinner party for a friend's birthday, and he was there. So him and I were sitting next to each other talking, and that was like, wow, this is weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. When my wife and I moved out to British Columbia, we we kept having these Ter- Terry David Mulligan sightings. I mean, we'd see him at the keg. We'd see him uh, at the ferry crossing. I mean, I think we saw him three times in the four years that we were out there, just randomly. I mean, we didn't know him. We'd just be, oh, there's Terry David Mulligan again. <laughs> was yeah
2: yeah, yeah. Well, he's an actor right as well yeah that's right
0: yeah yeah a lot of acting yeah uh so what what got you interested in so the, the Axl Rose thing uh you saw Axel, and I think I read in your bio you had a keyboard at the time and that's kind of you saw Axl and that started the whole thing um so how do we get from sort of that heavy rock Axl Rose um to country music
2: Um, So, you know, I left music or I didn't pursue music for a very long time because I grew up in a strict household and music was not an option as a career. My parents thought, okay, this is cute. It's nice. You know, you like to sing, you like to play. And I attempted to write songs when I was 14 or 15. But when I told them I wanted to go study music in college um, or university, they were saying, no, you know, this is not a career path. So I followed my second passion, which was aviation. And I did that for years oh, wow. and, you know, became a manager overseas in the Middle East. And um, although I love that, it afforded me a lot of travel. My kids have been all over the world, which is fantastic. But when I moved back to North America, like we were talking earlier um, about six and a half years ago, I started going to concerts again. And it's like, all of a sudden something went in my head, you know, that it brought back everything I had been feeling as a kid. Yeah that passion for performing and music. And now that my kids were older, I thought, well, what do I have to lose by, you know, trying this and giving it a chance? And of course, the biggest instigator of that was, I don't know if you saw the story about Axel. It was, you know, i had moved back here to North America, a birthday was coming out, my birthday. And I decided all I want for my birthday was to meet Axel. And so people thought, what are you, crazy? You know, and I told him, yeah, I'm going to fly out to LA and I'm going to see if I can find him. And I did.
0: (laughs) That is incredible.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, serendipity, I guess, because I drove to his home in Malibu, and he just so happened to be outside, like, you know, two minutes away from his home, he was out for a walk. Mm -hmm. So I got to meet him, we chatted, and to meet the person who inspired you to even want to follow this kind of dream was incredible in itself. But it also taught me that even if you think of something so crazy, and it sounds so out there, you can make it happen if you really believe you can. You know, and that's why I came back to Toronto and I spent a few months thinking about it. And I thought, well, you know, I had talked about this crazy thing of meeting Axel, and I made it happen. So maybe this music thing doesn't, isn't so crazy and I should try. And since then it's just been an, an unbelievable journey. But going back to your question of how I went from rock to country, when I first started writing, I was writing rock music songs. And I found in a lot of ways, I was just trying to emulate the artists that I you know, was inspired by. Um, Growing up, I listened to Aerosmith, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, all of that. Um, and I ended up working with a producer here in Toronto, um, John Angus McDonald from The Trues. And he's fantastic. And so he produced my songs, played on them. And so we did four songs together, a four-song EP. And after that, I went out and played like around Toronto. I played at the Whiskey A Go-Go in L.A., Um, I ended up in Brazil at a festival, (laughs) which is crazy. Um, and this all in the first year of me doing music.
0: (laughs) that's a a hell of a start.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, but it all proved to me that I was on the right path, you know, and that I'm doing the right thing in my life. But then I was um, introduced to someone in Los Angeles named Brent Woods through a mutual friend, him and I became friends first. And then later that year, this was 2017. Um, you know, I told him I'm thinking about recording some new songs. Would he be interested in working with me? Because he's a producer as well. And he was. So I ended up flying up to Los Angeles. We spent a few couple of weeks. He said, let's not do anything other than focus on finding your sound. Something that is true to who you are that really makes you distinct. So he's like, stop trying to be Axl Rose. <laughs> and let's, you know, try to be Susie Corey and see what that sounds like. And that's when the switch happened. You know, I was writing songs that were honest and they were about my life and things I'd gone through and what I was living. And that's where he kind of listened to it and went, this is not rock. (laughs) This is country, you know, more than anything or country rock. And, um, you know, it all fell into place. And for me, it feels so much more comfortable because I always talk about having played a lot of rock clubs around Toronto. I found the scene, um, you know, although I love rock music, but the scene is pretty heavy. You know and the people who come out to watch and I felt I didn't fit in because I'm this happy-go-lucky always miss positivity I couldn't be that badass <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. like yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> that's it's not my personality and so it's funny that when I got into the country music um genre you know being at shows and, and bars although people drink and everything but it's all like feel good good times you know and just good vibes all around even the musicians and the people i play with the people i play alongside other artists we're like family it's it's totally different in terms of vibes so it just fits so well for what i'm doing
3: started out a young girl a little bit shy sparkle of hope in my dad
0: Pretty Little Things by Susie Corey, co-written with Brent Woods. Well, it's interesting going back, I mean, talking about going out to, you know, I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to meet Axl Rose and that whole law of attraction thing. But but I keep yeah. hearing that more and more from a lot of people in, whether it's acting, music, um, or sometimes even just business. And I mean, and I guess it kind of ties in with having a vision board and you keep speaking it and eventually it happens. And, oh. you know, it's, um, and I think there is sort of a natural play of fate and, this is the world or something telling you this is what you're suited for. I mean, just even meeting that producer. And and he was more of a rock producer, wasn't he? Or is that just currently it's kind of the bands he's associated with? So well, it it was, was
2: like, And that's it was, why I was so excited to work with him. You know, yeah. I, I told Juan Angus here. I said, listen, don't be offended because you did fantastic. And I love working with you. I'm not changing producers because I'm not happy with what we did. But because this is an opportunity to even grow further you know in terms of connections and um what he might be able to do as well for me because he's worked with Kiss um you know very closely with Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons and um he plays for uh, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row right. currently right now he's actually on tour with him he's going to be going on a three-month tour and he plays for Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters they also have a band called Chevy Metal and so I mean it's not to name drop, but the fact that he's so well connected on the songs that we've done together, he's been able to bring some incredible players to also play on the song that there's no way I could have been able to, well, maybe, you know, who knows, but it's just having that connection. And it's also, you know, it's that side of it, but it's also him and I co-write the song. So I'll write a song, send it to him, and then we work on it together to kind of iron out the details of it. And we just have a really good, comfortable understanding and we get each other. And that is really why I'm so comfortable working with him. But I, I said to him, you know, it's funny when I look back, I came to you because I wanted a really killer rock album. And instead I ended up doing country.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's always funny. Well, and, But I think, yeah, the bigger thing is really having the right team and the right people that that know you and 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 help you bring you out which is i mean you know the key part of a producer i think and and helping the songs really materialize the way the way that they can best, best be presented um now was that the same plane flight out to la where you met billy ray cyrus is or-
2: no it was actually after so we had recorded our first song the secret garden and i was going to la to shoot the video now um the music video so i'm over the moon because that was my first music video ever <laughs> and you know it's like ch- living a childhood fantasy that i'm going to be shooting move, um a music video so on my way there i was sitting on the plane and was talking to the flight attendant you know just chatting and she asked me why I'm going to LA. And I said, Oh, I'm so excited. You know, I'm going to be shooting a music video. And she goes, Oh, what kind of music do you do? And I go country. And that's where she goes, well, you know, sitting behind you, right? I'm like, no, I'd seen a big guy, you know, he, you can't help but notice him, but I right. it didn't click. He had long, long hair like down here. And she goes, it's Billy Ray Cyrus. I'm like, no way, that's crazy so you know she goes do you want to talk to him and I said well would you mind asking him because I I don't want to go up to him and I don't want to be that person so she did and yeah he was unbelievably kind we had a really great conversation and by the end of the flight he just went you know if you don't mind send me something I'd love to listen to what you're working on and so I sent him uh pretty little things and because I felt that was more country and literally two hours later he texts me and says this is killer I you're doing great stuff you know and to hear that from him again it was just another affirmation that I was on the right path so when you talk about you know law of attraction and kind of figuring out where your life path is going Mm -hmm. it's funny how these things come into your path to tell you yes you're doing it right keep going yeah Yeah, Yeah.
0: that was that's that's incredible he must just be over the moon at this point
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was yeah and you know but I found that Um, I'm lucky in that I always get put in these strange situations where I meet, you know, really great people. I mean, I could give you a whole list again with the whole name dropping thing, but I figured out it's because I'm not the person who gets overly excited in terms of like, Oh my God, it's so, you know, and I never give the person that impression. And so I think it brings down their walls where they feel so comfortable because it's almost like we're talking musician to musician, you know? And I mean, one of the biggest people that I've met who I absolutely adore is Dave Grohl. From foo fighters and when i met him same thing we're talking just about family and his daughter and he's so proud of her because she's also getting into music and to have that kind of conversation with that person that you admire so much and not have necessarily the fan to you know the, the artist yeah. conversation it's a different level because they look at you differently as well
0: yeah yeah and i think that's part of the appeal with people like that too i mean you know, you see Dave grow you go, I bet he's just a great guy, but he's just a lot of funny. And he just, he still has that kind of uh, that innocence or that kind of earnestness of, of a music fan. I mean, like, he's just like a big kid. Um, you know, he's, <laughs> it just happened to become one of the biggest, you know, musicians in the world. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's incredible. I hear you. Yeah, because I mean, I've had, I've had some of those meetings over the years too. And I mean, Canada is very easy too if you're out and about you run into people um and yeah I mean just being casual I think is a lot better and uh I think there was one time where I met somebody years ago and I probably fanned out a little bit on them and it kind of they said okay well cool and (laughs) (laughs) but uh so I kind of learned pretty quickly just just relax be yourself they're just people too it's an it's an incredible world But, I mean, it's got to be tough. And especially, I think, uh, as a female artist, it's got to be really tough to have, you know, probably people coming up to you all the time that are, you know, (laughs) creeping you or or whatever the case may be.
2: Well, you know, I always talk about this as with anything in life, not just, you know, a career in music. It's your perspective of things that dictates how your life is. Mm -hmm. I don't see people that way. So I guess I don't attract that kind of thing. You know, that makes sense. Because I've even had people say to me, "Well, you know, on social media, doesn't it bother you what people say or comments?" And I said, "Well, what's the worst comment I've ever had? Someone telling me you're beautiful. You know, like I've never had an insulting comment. But I think that's also because of how you portray yourself. It's what you put out there, you get back. So it's just being conscious of that. And when you're conscious of that and how I view people, I'm, you know, I love people and I think people are great and I try to see the best in people. And so anyone who's putting a comment on my wall, anybody will see that like on my social media, if you put a comment, you'll get an answer, even if it's just thank you, you know, but anyone who took a second to put something, I will acknowledge that. And I think that's what helps people remain respectful and not look at me in that kind of way, you know, and someone telling you you're beautiful. Well, that's not the worst comment in the world. Yeah. You don't want to get to your head. Yeah. So, But yeah, I, I just think, you know, we, it's the energy that you put out, you get back at you.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, you know, I think I can think of maybe one negative comment that I had. And like, it, like, like you, it wasn't that bad. Nobody called me beautiful. But I mean, it wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't anything, you know, they kind of trashed the video I did, but it was, you know, somebody had made a positive comment. I think right underneath they said, really? <laughs> but, you know, I yeah, I think it's a pretty good world out there that uh, you've got to look at it. Um, you know, I guess it's a glass half full versus glass half empty. And you hear people say all the time and you can get very jaded by the news and everything that's going on. But reality, it is most people, if you take the time to talk to them and and just chill, they're they're just like you and me. Yeah. And that's my number one rule. Don't watch the news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't
2: tough. even watch TV. I
0: yeah, <laughs> well, we okay. just, what's funny. We just canceled our cable uh, just the other day. It was just, I said enough. I mean, you know, the, the money that would pay for it. And I'm going and what's the value there, you know,
3: Burning on the inside Fueled by desire Got caught, trapped in a landslide
0: All right. That was outlaw by Susie Corey. And again, co-written with Brent woods. All right. So, um, we've got the first artist that really inspired you. Was there a first song or first, um, song that really grabbed you and said, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to write songs. And I mean, you got into country. I know like, um, Again, on your bio, there's comparisons to Linda Ronstadt, Malou Harris, which is certainly very complimentary, and I can see that. Um, but was there somebody that just came along in, in the country genre or a songwriter that really just grabbed you with a lyric or a hook or a melody that you know, inspired you?
2: It's funny because I find, like, you know, when people ask that question, I'm personally all over the place with artists. Yeah. You know, I grew up listening to everything from Sarah McLaughlin, I love, um, Janice Joplin, who's incredible, and one of my personal favorites is Stevie Nicks. And, you know, she, to me, is like the full package. Uh, her songwriting, her image persona, which is so classy, yet sexy. You know, she, she's got that. So, But in terms of style, vocal things, I, I love all kinds. And, you know, the Linda Ronstanz and then Emmylou Harris. When people ask in terms of country, that's my kind of style of country. I like the older style. Not to say there's anything wrong. You know, right now, a current artist, I would say, is Casey Musgraves. I love her got right. a beautiful angelic voice and just so not kind of mainstream she's doing her own thing and yep. i think that's cool you know i don't like anything that falls into a, a box <laughs> which you know even uh, you heard my songs um it's not clear-cut country like okay. you know the secret garden to me is not a country song um and you know i have outlaw which is more rock than it is country yep. so i think you just got to do what you do and you can't confine yourself to any one thing. And I think for me that comes from having listened to so many different artists of all genres. And if you want to talk about a specific song, I so funny, I remember being in grade one and there was a lip syncing contest or yeah. something. And I did it to, um, Cindy Lauper, girls just want to have fun. I was like, yeah, this is a
0: powerful
2: <laughs> song for little girls. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: It was, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I listen to all sorts of stuff and it's, you know, I think when I was in high school, a lot of friends were just into a specific type of rock, or you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, you know, whatever it was. And you know, I was listening to Janis Joplin, and I was listening to you know Benny Goodman because my the influence from my dad and Johnny Cash and and all these kind of things. And yeah, yeah. it's interesting. People talk about you know, rock's dead or, or country music radio is is, is dead, and you know, but there's so many things going on outside of that box. And I think there's a little bit of necessity, I guess, as an artist that you want to get onto the mainstream radio or, or whatever it is that it's going to sort of give you a wider audience. But I mean, there's so many artists that are operating successfully outside of that. Um, is, is the need to get on radio a big thing for you? Or is it just more important to kind of do your own thing and, and just be true to yourself as an artist?
2: Yeah, I have to be happy with what I'm doing and feel that it's me. Like, I've never written a song that I went, yeah, I'm going to sit down and write a hit. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. I know, having gone in, into the country world, um, that especially in Nashville, there's a lot of songwriting sessions that people, you know, um, actually book to sit and write a song with a songwriter. And not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's all about what, what is your vision? For me, that's not my vision. I need to sit down, and a lot of times songs just come to me. I'm inspired by something, and that's where the song comes from. But it's not with the intention of creating necessarily a radio friendly tune. Having said that, a song like Got a Feeling, which is the one I just came out with, to me is like probably so commercial and so pop. But yet, again, I was walking in the street and I got Got a feeling, got a good, good feeling, got a. I was like, ah, da, 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 da. Like I, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Divine intervention. Well, yeah, sometimes I, and sometimes those are the best. So it happened organically. It happened naturally, and I
2: totally yeah. yeah. It's not like I sat down went like, okay. How can I think of a hooky song? You know. But when I sent it to my producer, he goes, "This is brilliant. It's such a hook. You know. It's it's catchy and it doesn't leave your head." I'm like, "I know. It didn't leave my head." <laughs> so yeah. I go, "It's so weird because it's so simple. Like it's not like I'm writing, you know, Leonard Cohen style <laughs> lyrics." But um, you don't have to as long as it's true to who you are, you know, and then I'll write something like Settle of the Dust, which was so personal and so emotional. And, you know, so whatever's coming from me is all that matters. I'm not sitting there with a formula or trying to create something because I know, okay, well, if I do it like this, this is what's going to happen and it's going to be a big hit. You can't do that, you know, because how many artists are miserable doing their songs because they had that big hit? which they can't stand now and then they've got to sing it for 30 years (laughs) yeah
0: yeah Yeah, if you keep chasing that like yeah yeah so you're gonna miss out on so many other things and drive yourself nuts and I think you just have to get to a place where you know you're happy with yourself and what you do and and I think that's what's going to come through and you know being successful in those terms would be a lot better than being successful as a persona of yourself or you know a parody of yourself or something like that
2: yeah of what people are expecting you to be or what people want you to be and that's why I'm a very big supporter of independent artists and trying to remain as independent as you possibly can. I mean if you have an opportunity to have huge success nothing wrong with pursuing that but you have to know that all comes at a price and that price might be a little too much for you know what someone would want to give up because that could be giving up who you are and having to conform to something else. So you know I'm not trying to put down the music industry and labels and everything else but we know the horror stories in some cases of that. And so I've just found that for myself, trying to stay independent where I own my music, I have my own publishing. I started my own label where I'm I'm the only member right now, (laughs) the only artist on my label, but it's trying to set myself up for being able to be fully in control of what I'm doing. And that way I can be happy. I can go to sleep at night going, I'm in charge, nobody else. So whether it works or it doesn't work, I'm responsible.
0: Nobody else. Well, and so many of the big artists, I I mean, I read a lot about sort of the outlaw days um, in the early 70s with country music and and Whalen and Willie and and those guys that were, you know, they went outside of Nashville and they went to Texas and then they started, you know, doing things. I mean, Willie Nelson having a huge hit with, um, you know, Redheaded Stranger. Um, and albums that they thought were, you know, that, that'll never fly. And there's so many stories over the years. Um, you know, I can remember the Doobie brothers with old black water. And again, somebody said, well, that, that'll never be a hit song. And like it ended up being one of their biggest, if not their biggest. So um, I think, you know, people kind of know to a certain degree, what's a hit, but nobody really knows for sure. And I think when you're successful, I mean, I look at somebody like Jason Isbell um, and so many of the the newer country artists that are, like you said, operating outside of that box. Um, it's it's way more inspiring music.
2: Well, and also, you know, when you're following the herd of what everybody else is doing, it is that much harder to stand out and have people take notice. Right. And that's what I think sometimes artists don't realize. You know, everyone's trying to do what everybody else is doing so that they can be a part of that, part of the mainstream, not realizing that now you're putting yourself up against the big, heavy hitters. You're not going to compare, you know, at least not at this point in your career when you're starting out so if you can start doing something completely different you have a better chance for better or for worse of being noticed you know for what you're doing it's kind of like um the festival that i started the love revolution festival and not to jump topic no i actually i wanted to
0: ask you about that too i I actually had that at the top of my list but we just got so involved in so many other things that
2: Well, great. This is a great segue into that because, you know, a lot of artists are like, oh, I can't get into this festival. I've tried for years that festival, Boots and Hearts, you know, um, Havelock, whatever it is. And they have their sights so like tunnel vision on getting onto those festivals, not realizing like a lot of times if you're not signed to a label or have the proper management or whatever it is, you know, to get you're not going to get on there. Well, does that mean the end of the world for you? No, because they're not the end all and be all of something. So I started my own festival. I went, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit around and wait whether I get on this festival or that. Don't care. We have enough clout that we can get people coming to our shows, you know, between myself and the other artists that are on the festival. I mean, clearly they've been a success. I've done it for two years in a row now, and it's been phenomenal and fantastic. And it's, for me, not just as an artist, but, you know, it's, help me support other people, which is, yeah. I talk about that, you start to realize that working for the purpose of a collective is so much more important than working just for yourself and trying to forward your career as an artist. And so I've learned myself so much about this. And, you know, it's it's been one of the best things I've ever done that's been most rewarding for me.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's one of the happy accidents of that as you're plugging away through life and business and, and work is that you kind of start to pull back a bit and realize yeah it's it's actually just as enjoyable if not more enjoyable to support other people and and it's funny because social media i mean i remember taking a, a consulting course um from somebody when i was you know restructured out of a company and that's one of the things they talked about with the networking on social media is that you really should be out there serving everybody else you know what's the value that you bring is not hey look at me it's you know supporting and promoting other people um and being engaged with and and sincerely engaged and I think this festival that you set up now was that um I thought I read it was the first sort of drive-in uh festival or first drive-in concert period was it uh
2: yeah it was the first country music festival drive-in festival that happened last summer um we had a few concerts I think Dean Brody put on a concert Brett Kissel had done lots of drive-in concerts but this was the first festival with several artists on it so that was kind of cool that and awesome. know, that got us a lot of attention in the news and um, in different publications. So I tried as much as possible to, I don't want to say milk it, but, <laughs> but you know, to get um, as much attention as possible again, because it brought attention to all these independent artists, which is to me, that's incredible, you know, to have global news come out and report on us. And it was just phenomenal. And they were back this year as well, because now they were familiar with us and, mm-hmm. you know, slowly I'm starting to see that now artists want to be a part of the festival and I get a lot of people who reach out saying can I be a part of it and I think that's fantastic and I try and you know help out as much as I can but the vibe there is just great for me I told artists it's so important that there's no egos there's no headliners there's I'm just trying to change the structure of how a festival works Mm -hmm. you know I can't change the festivals that are already out there there but I've decided that in my own and whatever I'm doing, um, everybody has to be equal, you know, and that means equal number of female, male artists being conscious of that. Um, And no matter where you are in your career, we are all the same when we perform out there, whether you're the first to perform or whether you're the last to perform in the evening, you know, you've got half an hour, go give it everything you've got. And for example, this year, I went on first, I was the first because I have a few people do acoustic sets, and then I have full band. So once we went to full band, I was the first artist to perform and people would go, well, it's your festival. Shouldn't you be the big headliner at the end? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, because <laughs> then what example am I setting when I'm telling everybody we're all the same, you right. know? So I said, I'm going first and then I'm going to enjoy the rest of the festival so I can sit and watch you guys, you yeah. know, so and Perfect. walk around and talk to the people who've come out. And it was, it worked so well for me.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, it, I mean, so do you think it's something that will continue that, uh, I mean, after COVID, or will it still be kind of in the drive-in format, or do you think it'll just be a festival that continues in sort of a normal format, or?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, my vision of it, and I said the inspiration behind it, of course, it starts out with the song, I had a song called "Love Revolution, and when I put that song out, to me, I'm such a hippie, like, I don't know if you can see it, but I'm wearing a, <laughs> it's <mine. laughs> Ah, nice. I'm a country hippie Um, and I've always loved the idea of Woodstock you know where it's all about peace love music and people coming together for that those reasons and so what I see of moving towards in the future is which already kind of is the only difference is people come on with their cars but they last year or this year they weren't sitting in the cars you know people brought blankets they brought lawn chairs and they're sitting outside on the grass Mm -hmm. because the area where we do the concert um his name is Brent Clements and he has Clements um, body shop in Cabin, Ontario. He's been so fantastic, him and his family, and they've offered up the land for us to use and being huge fans of music. And the land is, like, you know, just gorgeous and it's beautiful field of, of green. And so down the road I'd love for us to make it like a camping thing where you could even stay overnight and maybe yeah. a TV festival. Who knows? But hopefully that's where it's going. Like this year we had a couple of buses come, you oh, know, really? like camper vans and things like that. And I thought this is turning into
0: Woodstock, yeah, <laughs> that would be cool,
2: woodstock.
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you and I are cut from the same cloth in that respect too i mean i I was obsessed with the sixties and with Woodstock, and yeah. you know I went through my my hippie phase for sure, um, and I didn't you know, I got to woodstock ninety four finally and it was just it was such a trip, and it was uh And it was an interesting mix of things because it started off all beautiful and love and and peace and everything. And for the most part, it was, I mean, I remember walking up the hill of mud. I mean, you could not get it up up there by yourself, but people had pitched tents all the way up the hill. And literally it became like a human chain ladder where somebody grabbed your hand and passed you up to the next person. And it'd take about 20 minutes, half an hour to get up this hill of mud. But, you know, it it had to be everybody coming together and working together. And it was just happy, happy, happy. And I remember at the end of the night, because we were just there for the one day, we're going to, you know, go to town, grab a motel and come back. We had yeah. been on the original Woodstock site the day before. Um, but at the end of the night, there was a shortage of buses and, and a shortage of organization for the buses. So our bus pulled up and it was just a stampede of people, like elbows and people slamming people. And a pregnant lady got knocked over and I'm going well, there goes peace and love, but I mean, it's, but I think it was just sort of one sort of black eye mark on, on, on the festival. I know the ones after that got a little uglier, but, uh, but, yeah, that's the closest I'll ever come. <laughs> well,
2: hopefully we'll never have that happening at the Love Revolution Festival.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, hopefully not. And I can't wait to actually check it out myself. It sounds like a blast. Hi, this is Susie Corey, and you're listening
2: to Musicians FAQ with Stuart McKee on CKMS 102.7 FM Radio Waterloo.
3: You've been running around like all the wild horses. And after a dream Nobody tying you down No, it's never been easy Finding love in a hotel No time for goodbye You gotta hit the next town But before the saddle of the dog
0: With Susie Corey with a beautiful song called Settle of the Dust, another collaboration with Brent Woods. I mean, really, I could sit here and talk to you just all day. It's been so much fun, and I know there's so many more things that we can talk about. What I want to get a chance to talk about is what you have coming up next, um, maybe a, a chance for you to promote um, your latest music and your social media sites and concerts and things that you've got coming up. I know about one show for sure, but uh, I'll pass that over to you to kind of let us know what else is going on with Susie Corey.
2: Thank you. So musically, um, you know, this summer was great. I put out a single called Got a Feeling and you and I chatted a little bit about the music video behind that. That was just so much fun for me to do and get out of character. And I had this hot pink colored wig on my head, you know, and played this character of somebody who gets famous on Tic Tac, which is like a parody of TikTok. I just thought it would be funny to poke fun at everything that was going on because you know, we were under lockdown when I actually shot that video and but video shoots were allowed and we had like, a it was just myself and two others. Um, the guys who shot the video for me at Roadhouse Productions. We had a fantastic time, you know, where the story of the video is that I ordered this blow up doll from Amazon and decide I'm going to have this brilliant idea that him and I are going to get famous on TikTok. And we do we blow up and we get millions of followers and you know, I had also mentioned to you, oddly enough, a couple of weeks later, I post a video that has nothing to do with my music, unfortunately. <laughs> and it went viral. It right. has 1.4 million views. And um, I went from having 40 followers on TikTok to. I think almost over 3,000, so it's a weird, weird world, is, <laughs> you know, the whole is, media sure. thing. yeah, so that was funny, um, not only because of the video, because, you know, I, we shot the video, I thought it was a great concept that was just kind of funny and lighthearted, and it's what people needed this summer, but then I took Johnny with me everywhere, like, I would go to the restaurants, I'd go walking downtown Toronto, I flew to LA to record a couple more songs, Nashville he was there with me everywhere I had business meetings and I took him to the business meetings at like restaurants in West Hollywood so the you know getting people to just smile again and to laugh was worth everything because oh, I got wow. the weirdest looks but you know he <laughs> made people laugh and I didn't care if that was at my expense uh, at my expense you know not a problem but anyways that was my summer and that was great but as I mentioned I did go out to LA this summer and recorded a couple of new songs those are coming out next year, so I'll have a song called 1975, which is an ode to one of my favorite decades. Yeah, <laughs> and it's an to some of my favorite bands like Skinner and Zeppelin, um, you know, those are some of my favorite bands also uh, musically. And I just think the 70s was incredible. So I thought it would be great to talk about having a great time listening to those bands and just getting back into those vibes. Absolutely. And then a song called A Better Man, which is actually inspired by a true story of a friend of mine, a really close friend who I saw during COVID reflect a lot on his life as a lot of us did and make some really big changes in how they're going to, you know, follow their life. And I thought it was incredible to see that kind of change happening in a person, especially, and I hate to say, you know, generalize as a male, but I think, and you might be able to give more perspective on this. Males tend to not have an proper outlet to be able to talk about emotions and things they're going through, like women, right? Women are more likely to talk to each other or whatever it may be. But so it was hard for someone like that, a close friend of mine. And luckily he confided in me and we talked a lot. And for him to just talk through things and then be able to take action to make changes in his life that was moving him in a positive direction. It's incredible to see someone metamorphosize, you know, into a great human being and see that the rewards of that, doing the work on yourself, that's how you find happiness, you know? It comes from doing the work. So I literally, the song just came to me on, I had left Los Angeles and I was flying to Nashville. I wrote it on the plane in a couple of hours and it just flew out of me, the words, because I was like, so, so inspired. I think nothing inspires you more than hearing you know beautiful stories about the human nature of people Mm -hmm. so yeah that's a deep song
0: (laughs) yeah that that's incredible no and and I agree with you a hundred percent I think you know with the pandemic it was a a good excuse for a lot of people to kind of pause and reflect and and certainly myself included you can kind of step back and from the busy everyday life and you know suddenly go yeah, maybe there are some things I want to change about myself and do differently and and be better. And so so that's fantastic that, uh, that you saw that happening. We were able to capture it in the song and hopefully that'll inspire some, maybe some other guys to kind of let their hair down a bit and, or let their, let their guard down a bit. And uh, yeah, because I mean, certainly I know with, with with my buddies growing up, it's, it it changes I think a little bit as you get older and you go through some real things of, you know, losing, losing people in your life. And uh, Yeah. yeah, but yeah guys generally do have a little bit more problem opening up and talking about those things. And, uh, we shrug them off and say, you know, whatever.
2: <laughs> upon If a, a male is being emotional and I yeah. think, you know, you're a human being, you have to have that outlet to be able to talk through those things because that's how you resolve them. Sometimes yeah. you, the person doesn't have to have answers for you, but having someone to confide in that you can just talk it out. Sometimes in your own mind, it clears up your thoughts and makes things so much more obvious of what you need to do in your life. So, you know, that was fantastic. And in my own life, it was so interesting because during this COVID, I I told you that I had a career in aviation, or I wanted to pursue that when my parents said I wasn't going to do music. So, for years, I worked in aviation. And during COVID last June, I was let go from my job. And so music became my full-time gig, you know, out of all years, 2020, I became a full-time musician <laughs> Wow. and, you know, but I looked at it as it was the best day of my life when I got that call and I was being let go. Cause I went, okay, the universe is telling me, go do your thing. That's it.
0: You it's know? a gift. So, well, thank God that, uh, that, that, that did happen. And now we have you full-time as, as a musician, as a singer, songwriter, artist, performer, and we will certainly be seeing you uh, a lot, I think over the next little while. So thanks for doing the show and, uh, and all the best.
2: Thank you very much. It's
0: been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. We're going to leave you with a song called Time by Susie Corey, co-written with her producer, Brent Woods.
3: Something just ain't right Coming over like a flash flood A loss of the same blood Things I'll never get Silence is golden until the wounds open
0: Thank you for listening to Musicians FAQ Podcast with your host, Stuart McKee. We're here every week with great Canadian musical artists,